in the book of First Peter, uh, and and the focus is going to be tonight about how he addressed uh, the dispersed church. Uh, and, and when we think dispersed church, this is a church, uh, these churches have been scattered. And, uh, and because they had been scattered all over the Roman uh, Empire, uh, the believers often faced uh, uh, many trials and persecution because at that time, uh, Nero was the emperor of Rome. And, and so when they converted to Christianity, you know, they expected some social and economic persecution from uh, three main sources, the Romans, the Jews, and sometimes, you know, their own families didn't accept the change, you know. And so normally when you give your life to Christ and you decide that you're going to uh, make Jesus Lord, you, you can find yourself in a position where you have to find some new friends because some of the old folks that you, you know, brought up with may not see things the same way that you see it. And so he wanted to warn them, and, and then he wanted to uh, give them some encouragement that they needed to continue to face the opposition that they was going through. And I think about today, I look at, you know, kind of how we're living now under this era of COVID and all that. In a, in a small way, I can see the church is kind of dispersed, you know, uh, because everybody can't come back to church now uh, for whatever reasons, and, and COVID being the main. And then there are some people in different states that join us every time we get online. And so that kind of look like they're in different places, you know, some sitting at home, some may be in different states, some in other parts of Florida. But at the same time, all those believers need to be encouraged, no matter where they are. And so that's why I want you to look at this and say, okay, whether you're sitting at home or whether you're in New York or whether you're in South Carolina, wherever you are, you know, you got to feel like God wants you to be encouraged to continue to, to fight even in the midst of, of the situation and the circumstances we're living in. Because if not, you can find yourself getting discouraged and, and then becoming hopeless in this time that we're living in. And so this intent is to, to kind of just give some encouragement. But Peter, you know, he gives some stern uh, words uh, to, to kind of lead them in the right direction. So we're going to first start off with, with him giving a greeting uh, in verses 1 and 2. And uh, he says, this letter is from Peter, an apostle. Kind of like what Paul opened his letter with, identifying himself as apostle, Peter primarily because he walked with Jesus, you know, and because he walked with Jesus, he was one of the original apostles. And then he says, I'm writing to God's, somebody say, chosen people. So whether you're in striving tonight or whether you're online or wherever you are, if you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, then God is calling you a chosen people. You're not just anybody. You're God's chosen people. He has selected you and elected you to be a part of his family because you accepted his plan of salvation. So how you see yourself determines how you carry yourself. And if you truly see yourself like God sees you as chosen and being part of his elect, then you got to start carrying yourself like that. Even in the midst of the time that we live in, you got to always remember, this is what God called me. He says I'm the elect of God. He says I'm his chosen people. So therefore, I got to act like I know who I am in the Lord. And see, when we fail to realize who we are in the Lord, then we start acting like our old self. We're going to get to that later. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But you, you, if you're not careful, we'll act like the old us. You know, it, it, we, we, we can find ourselves that that battle that goes on on the inside of us, sometimes we'll lose because we just don't know who we are 
and what God has called us. And so he's saying, look, you, you're God's chosen people. Even though you're living in a foreign land, in foreign provinces of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, those regions are what we would call modern-day Turkey. And I don't know if any of you ever been to that part of the world. Turkey is a real big country. And you know, a lot of missionary work went on in Turkey back in this time. And, and so what we got to understand is that these churches were spread out over all these big churches. And then so what he's trying to do is say, hey, even though y'all are dispersed in different locations, you still serve the same God. And the same word is applicable to all of you. So location don't change what the Bible says. And so we can't allow our physical location to make us think that because I'm not able to do this like I used to, or we don't fellowship like we used to, we don't do the same thing, we can't make that allow us to think that, hey, we don't know who we are, and we think just because we disperse, we ain't got to act like children of God. So if you never come back to striving again, you still belong to God. And, and because you belong to God, wherever you go, whether it's in your house for the rest of your life or whatever, you got to act like you know who you belong to. And so he says now, look what he says in verse 2. He says, God the Father knew you. Wow. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, Major. Even though you didn't know he knew you, he knew you. And he chose you even before you chose him. Man, see, that, that's the thing about it. Man, when I realized that, man, God knew me when I was cutting the food, but he knew one day I would come. I didn't know. The people who I was probably dealing with didn't know. But God already know who's his. We don't know who's his, so that's why we try to judge and look at other people and say, who's going to come, who's not. That ain't our call. Some people are going to walk through that door that we never thought would go ever change their heart or change their mind or anything. So, so God already know who they're going to be. We just can't look like, man, I'm surprised that God would call them. He already knew. You didn't. It's a surprise to you, but it's not a surprise to God. And so therefore, we can't put ourselves in God's place and try to figure out who he's going to choose and look at people past resume or past life to determine whether or not they were to be chosen by God. Because he said, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago. So we see the Father in this verse. So we see all three members of the Godhead. And his spirit has made you holy. Wow, that's a deep one there, man. He's going to come back to that one. You know, we, we church folks don't like that word holy too much no more. It used to be a time, you know, you, you, we loved holy. Everybody talked about holy, holy, holy. But some songs about holy, holy, holy. I mean, songs. You don't hear them songs no more. You go to church now, ain't nobody talking, singing no holy song. Nobody want to be reminded that God expects us to be, to be holy. Holy is a high standard. And so what happens is, when we lose sight of who we are, we want the Father to lower the bar. Now, whether we ever live out true holiness in this life, we shouldn't expect God, God to lower the bar down to where we want it to be. Because if that's the case, man, we all got different standards. That bar be everywhere, Major. It'll be all over the place. You know, Major, we got some folks that don't, don't believe in drinking no more. You know what I mean? Not at all, not nothing. 
Then we got some that still believe, okay, drink a little wine. So the wine drinks say, I'm going to set my bar right here now. And the non-wine drinks don't say, I'm going to set my bar up here, and everybody need to get to my bar. And forget that you don't set the bar. Jesus is the example. He's the one that we're trying to line up to and, and live up to. And so we got to realize that God has chose us. And he says the second part of this, that the spirit, we've been talking about the spirit on Sunday, that same spirit that we said live inside of you, that indomitable spirit, made you, say, made you holy. Just by virtue of the fact that he in you, that makes you holy. And see, what you got to understand is that now that I know he's in me and he has made me holy, then that got to be an expectation that I got to live at least a certain way. You know, holy folk just can't live like unholy folk. And in our own minds, all of us had probably various degrees of unholiness when we was in the world. And I'm willing to bet that most of those things, some of them weren't all bad things. They weren't necessarily maybe even sinful things. They may have not just been something we shouldn't have been doing at times, but it may not have been all bad. But there were some things that we did were just bad. We know they were bad. Even when we was in the world, before we knew that God said they was bad, we knew that's bad. I'm doing some bad stuff right here. And so he said, in spite of that, Major, God, through his spirit, has made us holy. Man, when I, when I put that standard on myself, that means that, man, you've got to live, you've got to try to live like God wants you to live. And that's why it's so hard to talk about holy today. Because the world has changed the standards, and, and the culture is driving, you know, how we live instead of the word of God. And so therefore, when the culture get ahead of God's word and, and more people in tune to the culture than they are to the word of God, when Christians start talking about holy, that don't sell well out in the, in the world. So therefore, instead of us continuing to beat that drum, we shy away from it. Because we think that, man, if I talk about holy, I'm a, ain't nobody going to want to work for me. If I come in the office, ain't nobody going to go to the coffee bar with me, man, because they go, here come holy major. But now, he didn't tell us that we had to be holier than thou. We can still deal with people even though we're holy. He expects us to deal with them, and there's a way that we got to deal with them, but we don't deal with them by compromising and becoming our old person. We have to live a certain way before the people that God brings in our lives. So he says, now look, the Spirit has made you holy. And as a result of the Spirit making you holy, you have obeyed him. That's where we get in trouble, because the God still expects us to obey him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. So he, all three parts of the Godhead is there. God is in there. That's the Father who chose you. The Holy Spirit made you holy. And then he said, now Jesus' blood cleansed you. And I don't know what part of that we don't understand. You know, he's saying that, hey, you got to realize you've been cleansed. Whether you want to believe it or whether you act like it or not, he said the blood of Jesus cleanses you. All those things lead to your holy lifestyle. You've been cleansed. So if you don't know you've been cleansed, you still walk around think you're dirty and you're full of sin and your guilt and stain of sins all over you. When the Bible says, hey, you've been cleansed. So if I see myself as, as cleansed, then I don't worry about how other people perceive me to be. Because they just don't know. There's something that done took place on the inside of me that's working its way on the outside, and, and I know that I'm cleansed because in my mind, I believe God. 
Now, I realize that this process of sanctification is an ongoing process. But we all got to believe that, man, we ain't the person we were five years ago, 10 years ago, 20. If, if, you know, I don't care how much of a Christian you are, you just can't be the same person that you were the day you met Jesus. Because then you make that passage there seem like it, we just need to take that right out of the Bible. He ain't know me. I ain't got his spirit on this side of me. And the blood didn't do nothing for my sin. So that, that's, a, that's a tough standard. So he was just outlining some things there to bring their mind into focus. And then he started talking about this eternal hope in verse 3 to, through 12. He started talking about this eternal hope. And, and you know, we're living in a time now, man, where it's easy to lose hope. Man, I, I mean, when I see Christians can't agree on something, can see the same things and, and just can't agree. And when I see how divided we are, man, Christian divided over shots. Man, if you don't want to get it, don't get it. If I got it, don't get it. Man, let's not even talk about it. You know the bottom line. Let's not talk about it. But now we're divided over that, and, and we're divided over everything. And guess what? And because these Christians are divided like that, that's never how God intended for us to be. We're supposed to see ourselves as foreigners here in this earth, and we should all be a part of the same family. Whether we're black Christian, white Christian, red Christian, green, whatever, we're all part of God's family. But we have allowed the culture that we live in to divide us just like the culture. But the church is even divided. And so what happens is, is that when we get divided like that, what it does, it diminishes our witness to the world. And so what, what he's trying to get us to see here when he starts talking about this eternal hope, he said, hey, look, even though things may not always go your way, you can't lose hope. Even though I know the world is all jacked up right now and even America is in a bad shape, I can't lose hope. I mean, I got to still hold out hope. You know, I was looking at the news last night, and even old Whippy got in some trouble. You know, she messed around and said the wrong thing about the Holocaust. Bam, two weeks gone. Gone, just like that. Bam. And she, and she, and you know, I understood what she was trying to say. But it's just certain things when it comes to the Jews and Holocaust, you stay away from it. See, we ain't got that with slavery in us yet, but the Jews have arrived when it comes to the Holocaust. They ain't gonna let nobody diminish what that was. Now, I understood what she was trying to say. And she was, in a way, she was trying to say, when people look at Jewish Americans, they see someone that looked like majority Americans. And her mindset was that if I'm standing on the corner and a Jewish American is standing on the corner and he happened to be of the Caucasian-looking persuasion, Nobody is going to see him as a Jew first. They're going to see him as a proper American, unless they hear his name, Weinstein, or some of those names. They're, oh, not you. But when they look at me, they ain't going to even care about my name because my skin is going to tell them. That's what she was trying to say. She just didn't say it the right way because if she had dug a little deeper in the truth be told, America, see, has kind of de-Africanized the Bible a little bit, and in doing so, we don't realize that there are some Jews out there that are just as black as I am. And most of the Jews in America, y'all just Google famous Jews who changed their names. 
You'll be surprised of all the people who are Jews, but they change their name because they know if I change my name, I ain't got to change my skin color because my skin color's already there. It's my name that identifies. And somebody told me, if you want to be accepted in this culture, you got to do that. So Whoopi shouldn't have said it. She should have just stayed away from that. And she couldn't explain it in the right way. And then two weeks. And I'm pretty sure now that people on the left and the right, they're going to tear it up now. And still say, okay, she made an honest mistake. Let's let it go at that. Nobody lost their life over it right now. But it's a bad time to say that when America's in the state that we're in. Because somebody's going to take her words now and further divide the nation. So I'm trying to tell you, as Christians, we got to be saying, hey, we ain't going to fall for the trap. When people, you start reading that on them blogs out there and all that, no, I ain't going for the bait. I ain't taking the bait. You know, hey, Jesus is going to forgive her. We forgive her. That wasn't a sin. That was unto death. It's forgivable. So let's move on. But if we allow that to stay out there and some of those people put that stuff out there, this country is going to be further and further divided. When in reality, Jews and black folks ought to have the closest relationship that you can think of. Because there are so many parallels in our history. But because people don't know that, we don't have an appreciation for one another like we should. Not that anybody else is wrong, but we just share some things that's similar. 400 years of slavery versus 400 years in Egypt. Let me move on, because I, I, I get caught up on the soap opera right there, because that was news. That was flashy news, and I just felt bad for Whoopi. I wish I could have gave her some advice before she said that. But anyway, so he's saying that, look, he breaks off in verse 3 through 12. He starts off with a praise. He says, all praise to God. He launched his praise mama. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy. Somebody say great mercy. See, your salvation is the result of God's mercy. He didn't give us what we deserve. He had mercy on us. You know, sometimes when I write letters to support people going before the judge, you know, I always use that. When people ask me, can you give me a character written up, you know, as the judge get ready to sentence me? You know, I always say, judge, you know, they, they, may, they may be guilty of what they've been charged with. But can you just have mercy on them? You know, you ain't got to give them all 10 years. Man, can you just give them two and suspend eight, something like that? You know, so you plead the case for them. And sometimes, I don't know, it may work, and the judge may say, yeah, in this case, I'm on. Because judges got a lot of leeway. They can have mercy on who they want, and they can throw the book. Because if you ever read a sentencing thing, most of the time the sentence, this sentence can be anywhere from 5 to 25 years. That's a lot of wiggle room for a judge. And if his heart ain't right, he hard over on some people, he's going to give 25 years. When other people can know how to say, man, let's preach to his heart, let's speak to his heart, and let him have mercy. And that's what God did for us. He knew the sentence, man. We could have been sentenced way worse than we are. It's but God had mercy. And so we can never forget the great mercy that, we, that, that, that allowed us to be born again. So he says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his great mercy that we have been born again. God allowed us to be born again. This time born of the Spirit. This goes back to that conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. You know, you know, your first birth, you were born of the water, but now it's time for you to be born of the spirit. So therefore, now we're operating on a new birth that is spiritual, has nothing to do with our earthly parents, and has nothing to do with our earthly body. This is all spiritual. And so if we don't understand that we got a spiritual relationship with God, 
then therefore we won't know who we are and we'll live below our privileges. And so he says, now look, you have been born again. Major one, that means born again. That means that, wow, I got a chance to do this thing over. God gave me a chance to do some things all over again. And so therefore now I need to, how can I be born again and act like the old guy? Because if, if I act like the old guy, then I ain't been born again. I'm the same thing. So if you've been born again in the spirit, something got to change between you and the old you. And the, it just got to happen. He says, because God raised Jesus from the dead, now we live with great expectation. In other words, that great expectation, we live with this, this, this expectation of hope, what believers are going to receive as a result of accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So we have a great expectation. And expectation and hope is always based on some future expectation. Anything you're hoping for, you don't have it. And so therefore, because I know I've been born again, I got this great expectation that everything that God promised is going to be mine one day. And I got to have that even, he's telling these people, you got to hold on to that expectation even if you're going through. Don't give up that expectation. Don't give up that hope even though you're going through. And he said, look, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. In other words, what God has in store for us, you know, nobody can tarnish it. No, nobody can destroy it. Nobody can do something to it that will make it unworthy of our inheritance. And so you got to realize, you know, the Bible tells us we're joint heirs with Christ. So therefore, we all have an inheritance that God, just like we're in God's will, you know, and as a result of being in God's will, then, hey, there's something he has in store for us. And we got to always keep in mind that God has something in store for me. I can't see it, but because of my hope, I believe it's there. Because I have that expectation that God didn't lie for me, I'm believing that whatever he has for me is going to be there, and I'm going to live like I'm going to get it. So he says now, because now he brings in the hope part, and then he says, he brings in the faith. He says, and through faith, through your faith, God is protecting you by his power, that Holy Spirit that's in you, until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day of all, for all to see. In other words, God is saying your faith is protecting you. And you got the faith to believe, to know that because you have that level of faith, that no matter what I'm going through, God's protecting me. He's looking out for me. He's protecting me. And, and, and look, don't, don't misunderstand this to mean that just because he's protecting you, that don't mean you're going to go through some challenges. That don't mean you're going to go through struggles and things of that nature. But you've got to still believe, even in those struggles and challenges, even like we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, even when Paul said, man, even if it comes to dying, God got me. You see what I'm saying? And, and that's the part that we can't get. We don't go to that threshold because we don't want to talk about it like that. But we got to understand that we're protected all the way through to the end. And so, therefore, when you understand that level of protection that God has on you, has for you, then guess what? You don't get discouraged easily. And you don't worry about every little thing that goes on in this life. 
you learn to say, I trust God. And because I trust God, in spite of what the world is dealing to me right now, I'm going to continue to believe in him. Amen? He said, now, verse 6 says this, 6 and 7. He says, so be truly glad. Man, you, because your faith and because you know you're protected. He said, man, that's something to shout about. Because I know I'm going through some things, but because of my faith, I know God protected me. Man, I can be, I can shout about it. Even, even in the midst of my trials, I can give God some praise. Even in the midst of, that don't make sense to our natural man. You know, when you, when you experience something like that in your life and you done went through something, that don't make sense. But that's why this ain't about your natural man. This is about your spirit. Your spirit got to believe that and buy in so that your spirit will overrule your natural way of thinking and your natural way of seeing things. He says, so, so be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. See, it's easy to believe when you're living a comfortable life. When everything's going all right, you ain't got no issues, no concerns. You know, everything's going, your bills paid, your health is in pretty good shape. You know, you ain't lost nobody. You know, I mean, everything's lined up. I mean, it's easy to say, oh, I just believe. I believe in the Lord. But where are they when trials come? When, when, when the storms start raging <laughs> and the seas get a little rough, where are they then? You know, are those the same people? Oh, I just believe. Now, are, are those the ones that start saying, man, where, where is God? Where was God? Now, I, I don't even know why. Look, I ain't even going back to church no more. Because he said, now look, things come in our lives to really, even though we don't get this in the natural, they come to try our faith. Because your faith is made stronger by the trials that you go through. I mean, if you'll never go through nothing, you don't need no faith for nothing. But when you go through something, your faith is going to be tested to see whether or not you're going to stand in faith or whether you're going to buckle under the pressure and forget that the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of you. So, so he says, so be truly glad. There's a wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. You ain't faking it. You ain't faking faith. Everything's all right. I can follow. I walk by faith and not by sight. You know, it's easy to fake it when you got everything going on. But can you say that when, when your life is turned upside down? Can you still say, I'm walking by faith, I'm trusting God, even though I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, but I know who holds it. So that's what he said. Now look, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. So God used some serious metal there, you know, most precious metals at that time to make it point. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Man, God said, look at your, man, did you realize, Major? Your faith is more important to you than gold? And we run around here looking for more gold when we should be looking for more faith. <laughs> gold got us running. We running after gold, you know what I mean? Give me some more gold. We ought to be saying, Lord, give me some more Give me some more faith right now because there's going to be some things that come in my life that gold can't do nothing for. If gold can solve my problem, man, I'll be the happiest guy in the world. But there's something gold and money just cannot. So in spite, you know, 
I ain't hating on your goal. But I'm just saying, ask God for more faith first before you start asking for more gold. Because you can get the gold and still lose your mind trying to get it. So he said, now look, you got to understand that your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Man, your faith can do a whole lot more for you than gold can. He said, man, your faith is going to bring you glory and honor. Give up your gold if you have to, but don't give up your faith. Don't try to hold on to your gold and then give up your faith. You know, get, you know if you're going to hold on to both of them, hold on to both of them. But if one got to go, let the gold go. You can get more gold. If you got that, God will show you how to get more gold. But boy, when you start losing faith in God, and when people start walking away from God, sometimes it's hard for those people to come back. That's what the Bible says. It's going to be those who have tasted and seen how good he is and then walk away from them. For them, it's going to be hard to come back. It didn't say they couldn't come back. It's just going to be hard. So therefore, it's better for us to hold on to our faith at all costs and don't worry about the material things and the gold. And God just used that as a, as, as a way of connecting how powerful and how strong our faith must be. He says now, he says, you love, verse 8, you love him even, now this is where I really feel like he ought to be talking to all of us right here. Now he's talking to these believers who are dispersed, and he's trying to give them encouragement, and he's telling them, you love him even though you have never seen him. We just like that. We just like these folks he's writing to. We just put it just like that. We loving a Jesus we ain't never seen. We believing in the Holy Spirit that we ain't never. Believing in a God that we ain't. And we walk around here talking about him like we know him personally. You know, he spoke to me this morning. What? Some people look and say, well, he spoke to you. He spoke to you this morning. You walk around here talking about a God spoke to you and you ain't never Man, that's an awesome testimony for you to be talking about somebody like that that you have. He says, you love him even though you have never and ain't none of us going to fall in love with somebody we ain't never. It's hard to fall in love. Even now, if you're going to fall in love online, you want to see a picture. <laughs> Don't just send me the words. <laughs> you know what I mean? Send me a picture. I mean, you, you, I'm just going to by faith believe your word and say everything that you got right there. No. People don't trust people don't trust words, but we walk around here believing God's words, man, and we have never seen him. And we walk around here like, yeah, I believe God. And some people will think you're crazy because you have faith in a God that you have not seen. And see, you ought to see yourself as being blessed because you got the 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 the, the, the courage to put your faith in a God that you have not seen. He says. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. You know, that's where you got to get into that thing. Can you trust in the Lord with all your heart? I mean, can you trust him even though you don't see him? And you rejoice with glorious, inexpressible joy. Wow. Man, that's, that's, that's a lot right there, man. You rejoice about this God, this Jesus, and this Holy Spirit that you have never seen. And he said, man, your joy can get so 
so crazy, man. It's, it's inexpressible. You just don't know how to say how you feel about it. You just don't know how to express how you feel about it. I mean, you just get to that point, man, that you know, and that's why I tell you, sometimes the Holy Spirit is, is, is both an effect and effect, and an effect. You know, sometimes you got to feel him because you can't express it. You just got to feel it. You just got to know he's in your life. And you, and you can't, don't know how to put words to it, but you just know. And see, everybody got to get that point where it comes to the Spirit of God, Wayne, that you just... I can't prove to nobody that I got him on the inside of me, but it's something that just let me know. And I talk like I... That I got, like I got him on the inside of me. And so, and, and what you got to understand, this thing about spiritual things is not new just to Christianity. There are a lot of folks out there, other places, believe in spiritual things. They're having spiritual things, worshiping other spirits. So, so don't think that we're strange because we believe in spiritual things. And so what you got to understand is that, man, when you know that, then you got to rejoice in what you know. I mean, you got to have joy knowing who, you, who the Lord is and what God has done for you. Look at this. He said, the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your Oh, God Almighty, Wayne, he ain't say nothing about your goal. He ain't say nothing about your goal. <laughs> your goal ain't going to get you no salvation, and your goal ain't going with you. Amen. Amen. So what we got to understand is that, hey, we, we got to get our priorities right, because this thing is about the salvation of people's souls. And that's the part that is hard to get people to see, man. We're going to spend eternity somewhere. I mean, the Bible says that this spirit is going back somewhere. God breathes spirit into man, and when we die, spirit leaves us. And when that spirit leaves us, eventually our spirit's going to be judged, and they're going to end up somewhere. And so therefore, because we realize that, man, we got to value people's soul. Don't look at the people. You look at the outer man, and, and therefore we can't talk to any and everybody when it comes about the Lord because all our souls look the same to God. Now, y'all got to get this. Because if you start looking beyond the person's color, where they're from, their accent, all that, and start looking down in their soul, you won't focus so much on the outer man because you know the outer man going back to the dust for which it came. And so what we got to see is that God said, hey, man, that our spirit is going somewhere, our soul is going somewhere, and we got to believe that because we've accepted Jesus, our souls are secure. He said, now look, verse 10, this salvation has something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this glorious salvation prepared for you. Major, you know more now than the prophets knew. They wish they could know, have known what you know about Jesus right now. You know more than they do. And all they was doing was talking about something they had not seen, and they never got a chance to experience it like we have. They didn't have the whole word of God when they was prophesying. They was prophesying and writing at the same time. But now look here. We got the whole word of God. We got their word, Jesus' word, and we got the Holy Spirit speaking to us and dealing with us. Man, we got far more they had. He said, look, them guys would love to know what you know, Wayne. He maybe said, Wayne, you got the potential that you may know more than Jeremiah knows. 
says, this salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. Man, that's, that's, that, that made me say, wow. We got something, man, when we got this Holy Spirit and we got the Word of God. We got something, and we don't realize what we have. Man, people believe on far less than what we have. We got far more, and we should believe more than the prophets. Their faith it should not be greater than our faith. Because we got more to go on than they have. He said, now look, verse 11. They wondered what time or situation the Holy, the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. Man, them guys prophesied and wondered, how is this going to happen? How is this thing going to come about? I'm getting a revelation, but I ain't got it all. I'm just telling bits and pieces of it because I don't have the whole thing. I'm just prophesying in part now, and I know in part. But when that which is full, when he comes, everything's going to be revealed in full. And so, therefore, now he's saying, now, look, we see more, Major. We see more because we have more, and we got to act like, man, we ought to at least act like, we, Major, we ought to at least act like we're, we got the faith that the prophets had. I mean, if we can't get all the way to the top, we, man, we got to say, my faith going to at least be equal. Them guys wrote some stuff in it, and they write, my faith got to at least be there, because I can read now and see what Jesus did based upon the writing and what the Holy Spirit. Them guys didn't have access to the Holy Spirit like we do now in them. In the Old Testament, he came down, and he dealt with people on situations and inspired them to do things right. But he wasn't dwelling in them. And so therefore, we have him living on the inside of us. So we got a better deal than they got. He says now, he says in verse uh, 12, he says, they were told that their message were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news, the gospel, has been announced to you by those who preach in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Telling these people that, hey, this good news they were talking about, those people who are preaching it to you under the power of the Holy Spirit now, hey, look here, they're giving you good news, and it's better than what the prophets gave. He says, it is also so wonderful that, man, look here, I, I had to wrap my mind around it. Wayne, this is a faith read right here. I couldn't even study this thing and try to figure out how to explain it. I said, Lord, you said it. I'm just going to go with it. You know, he said, look, Major, it is so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching to see these things happen. Man, I mean, angels up there looking down and say, hey, what's going to go on down there in the earth in Major's life? Them angels up there, I want to see this thing play out, man. He, I mean, that thing got me. He said, man, Wayne, angels up there looking down at you trying to figure out and see how this salvation thing is going to play out in your life. It's so wonderful that the angels is taking note of it. Man, that was powerful, man. The angels are eagerly watching these things happen. So that means while we sitting here, something is happening. 
may not be happening to you in here, but something is happening. The Spirit is doing something somewhere. Angels are watching some action taking place somewhere. And what I'm trying to say, we got to realize that God got this thing under control. And he said, look here, man, the angels up there say, ooh, that's, I like what I see happening down there. Man, we ought to let the angels, the angels looking at me right now, Wayne. They looking at you glorified God. They'll say, yes, I want to see how this thing going to play out in Wayne's life. Man, when we really start thinking that angels are watching over us and watching what we do, man, that'll change your whole attitude. So now he changed and said, since y'all got the angels watching, he had to start, he messed up his flow. Major, he messed up his flow. Had us excited, angels watching over us. We, we you know, we, we, we getting all with the angels watching. We'll, you know, the, then now he come back and tell us, hey, it's certain things that they're looking for in you. You got to get yourself together. You know, Wayne, you just don't want to watch anything while they're watching you. See, now, now he messed up the flow. I, if, we, if he had to stop right there, Major, we could have shouted. I saw Wayne back there getting happy, man. And to see, I could have just played with that glory. It was amen and amen. I mean, we would have been, let's just have a good time. The angels watching. <laughs> man, why he had to put the rest of this in the Bible? He messed up our, you know, we was vibing. We was moving on to everything. And then now he's coming and say, wait a minute. <laughs> don't, don't, he done kill the vibe, man. Boom. But if you're up to the challenge, that's all this is to you. He's saying, look here, the angel's watching. Now, how are you going to act since you know they? Now, let me go ahead and read. Now, he's going to call them this in verse 13 through the rest of the book. We're going to talk about his call to holy living. You know, Peter give a bold challenge. And this next section is about ethical responsibility of those who have experienced the blessing of salvation. He just explained those blessings in verse 3 through 12. Now he's saying, hey, you got to live up to the challenge. And so look at this when we start looking at verse 13. He says, so think clearly. Get your mind in the game. As you live out your life, be thinking clearly. Don't think like the world wants you to think. You got to think clearly and exercise self-control. Say, wow, man, when the angels look down to see us, we ought to be thinking clearly and we ought to be exercising self. We shouldn't be all out of control doing crazy stuff. That's why it's hard for me to believe how divided this nation is and Christians out there doing crazy stuff then the angels can't be happy with what they're seeing going on with Christians in America. They ain't talking about heathens, people that don't know the Lord. I'm talking about people who go to church every Sunday. They just don't know. Some of them probably didn't know that while they were in there tearing up the Capitol, the angels were looking to see how that thing played out. They had no angels would look at them. Some of them who said they was Christian. Ain't no different with somebody who's going to ride after somebody get killed and, you know, unjust and you tear up a city, and you say you're a Christian, and you're out there throwing rocks through a building, or you're a cop, and you say you're a Christian, and you don't realize an angel. He says, so exercise self-control. 
Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Verse 14, you must live as God's obedient children. Man, that word obedient kind of put it, bam, right there. What? I can't live any kind of way. Even though I'm a privileged child of God, I've been chosen, you know, I can't live like I want to. I got to live in obedience to God. Then maybe he said, now look, this thing makes sense. If you live disobedient, then guess what's going to happen? You're going to slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. That just killed all of us right there. We was happy, Major. We were shouting. We were ready to we were ready to do an altar call. <laughs> then he had to come back and say, hey, <laughs> y'all done got happy too quick. Get true happiness because you're living in old. Let that be the reason you're dancing. Let that be the reason you're shouting. Because I can get some tambourines up here and music and get some dancing at you. But boy, if you're dancing because I know I've been obedient. I know I have been doing what God called me to do. I'm dancing because I'm an obedient child of God. Man, that, that's, he said, now look, you must live as God's obedient children. So don't slip back into your old ways, living to satisfy your, old, your own desires. You didn't know any better then. See, we were dumb. Major, we know better now. We got the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. We know better. Back then, we didn't know any better. It's no different when your children grew up. There were certain things they could get away with at three and four, five, six, seven years old, but when they get 18, you got to say, man, you knew. You knew better. Come on now. You ain't five years old. You knew better. And so God is saying, look, Major, he ain't going to give us no free pass because we come to church every Sunday. Look at you, do. You knew better. And the reason you end up there because you disobeyed and you allowed your old ways to creep back into your life. You slip back. You know, I told you on Sunday that the enemy don't come and hit you, just urge. Just urge you on. Just urge you on. Just keep urging on. A little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. See, we're always looking for the devil to come and just overwhelm us and drag us somewhere. No, urge. When he tried to tempt Jesus, he didn't just overwhelm. He just urged. Hey, look, let me take you up a little higher. Look at this. I can give you all this if you want. And Jesus had to fight him off with the word. He said, now, but now, God, you must be, somebody say holy. holy. It just don't even roll off our tongue like we love that word. He <laughs> said, look at you must be holy in everything you do. Man, it'd be nice if he just said something. We can probably be holy in some areas of our life. But man, he wants us to be holy. Everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. He's quoting Leviticus chapter 11, 40, 44 and 45. Because now you come back and say, For the scripture says, You must be holy because I am holy. Wow. God said that is not, a, that is not optional for us. And, and, and I know holy can be defined in many ways, but it just means God expects us to live a set apart sanctified life. We have to live a life that we've been set apart for his use. And so therefore, it's not hard 
uh, if the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding us, because he's not going to lead us in a way that's unholy. And so we got to understand God set the bar pretty high right there. And so I don't think God has a problem with us shooting at the bar where it's set versus us trying to lower the bar down to where we are and we stay in place. So we got to be looking at the, hey, man, God got a higher call on my life, and he want to take me up higher, and holiness is always higher. Because holiness puts you in that realm where you are heading toward trying to be like God because he is holy. Look at this. He says, verse 17, and remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He, he, all his children, he look at them and say, he don't play favorites with his kids. He don't love me no more than he love anybody else. Don't love you no more than he love anybody else. But what wins his favor is when we walk in obedience, man. Obedience is what wins the day with God. When we walk in obedience with God, God want to bless our obedience. The Bible says a whole lot about what God would do for his obedient children. And you can just put that in the natural. Most of the times in our natural life, our kids, when they obey, man, and, and, and they don't have to walk around begging for every little thing. Man, obedient children, just sometimes you just want to bless them. You just want to give them something. And you know, when the kid's acting right, you didn't have to tell them to clean the room up and they got to clean up already. You know, you just want to say, man, that's an obedient child. So guess what? I want to reward them. I want to give them stuff. And so I, I believe God's the same way with us. He want to bless our obedience. Obedience is not something that's going to handicap us. It's going to benefit us. He says, now, he don't have no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. Wow. Wow. Not according to what we just say about him and how much we love him, but according to what we, we do. See, that's what the angel's looking at, Major. They're looking at what we, what we do. That's what the world is looking at. The world look at us and say, I see what they're doing. They out there, they just as divided as everybody else. So, man, why do I need to go to church? Jesus can't get his own children together. I mean, they on, on websites out there blogging and talking bad about each other, disparaging one another, and they in the same family. Why in the world would I want to be a Christian like that? We got to realize the only evidence that the world got about us is what they see us do. They don't, they, they don't heard the word. They don't heard the lingo. I mean, they got that. But what they looking at, what you going to do? So, so he's going to reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear. Talking about respect. Now, that's not talking about being afraid of God because he's our father. But we ought to have a, a respect and honor for him. Fear of him during your time as foreigners in this land. In other words, while we're living in this earth, a land that we know that the enemy got a, a big foothold in, then God is taking note of what we're doing, and he expects us to live in respect and honor of him while we live in the world. And the only way we can do that is to strive to live holy. Strive to live holy. And, and I tell you, it's, it, it's tough, man. Messages, like I said, back in the old days, you know, you get a good holy message every now and then. But, man, when I look at TV now, look at TV preachers, you know, y'all go back and look at some guys. Just listen. See who's the last time anybody talked about holy. Just, just look, you know. If this is something that God done said, hey, 
I'm expecting this from you because I am this. Just see, when is the last time people have been challenged to live? Oh. So I think when we as leaders and ministers don't ever talk about holy, then that makes the next generation of Christians think that it ain't important. Glory, go ahead. Go, go, ahead, go ahead and get a mic, because somebody may want to hear what you got to say online. That brought me back to my memory when I first joined the church. When I first joined, I was still doing things I shouldn't have been doing. But the more I came, the more I listened to you pass, preach to me, and the more the word started convicting my heart. And I remember you, you preached on a sermon one day, uh, being a, what was it, about challenging us to live holy. I think it was, you was challenging us to be, live holy before the Lord. And by me coming to the church more and getting in the word more, listen to you preach to me and the word convicted my heart, just cut me up. It, it, it I changed. Amen. And that's Amen. what the Spirit of God is supposed to do. You know, he's supposed to, 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 to bring about change in our lives, you know. And the Word of God is a change agent. You know, if you take this word serious and, and people preach it to, that's why we can't run away from that method because we think that young people don't want to hear it. Man, young people need to be told they need to live holy. I mean, whether they do it or not, they, you can't skip it because you figure, like, well, they're going to live unholy anyway. Well, okay. You still got to throw holy out there in front of them so they'll know there is another standard. And guess what? Some of them are going to try to rise up to that standard. Amen. You know, everybody may not try to rise up, but why not at least throw it out there and let those who feel like they, I'm going to try to at least change my life a little bit. I'm expecting I'm going to the church because I know that, hey, when I go to the church, they have, people come to the church looking for a change. They thinking that we already been changed, man, when they come here. That's why when they see us say, and say, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm real familiar here. This is familiar. When a person come into the body of Christ new as believing, we're talking about we're trying to live holy, it, it shouldn't be so familiar to them that they don't see no difference in the way we conduct ourselves and the way they conduct themselves. So now, I, I'm going to say this, you know, it, it wasn't just me by myself. It was the word of God that was convicting my heart and my relationship with God to help me to change. Because Gloria wanted to do what she wanted to do. Now, don't get it twisted. Now, I still have flaws now. I'm not perfect. God's still working on me. Amen. And, and I think that's why I said that sanctification part of striving to be holy is, is a process. I mean, and how long that process? Some say that we're going to always, until Jesus comes back, trying to get more like him. We're never going to reach and be exact, identical to him, but we're still shooting for it. We're shooting for it, and as we shoot to be more like Jesus, then some of that stuff's going to drop, drop off, you know? And so, therefore, there's nothing wrong with, with trying to live holy. I mean, ain't nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Anybody else? Wayne, you want to say something? Wayne, I see you laughing back there, man. Talk to us, Wayne. Talk to us. I, I was just laughing because I could say many things, but... But pastor, you're absolutely right, and the word is right, you know. If you know you're trying to live right, and you've been walking that walk, and, and trying to stay faithful, and you know, with the daily walk, there's always attacks coming. But that alone, just knowing that 
God give you that spirit, that advantage spirit to be an overcomer. And just knowing also the angels also looking down Amen. and seeing how you handle these situations. Jesus. Oh, my gosh. Jesus. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Come on, Wayne. That's, that's why, Pastor, I, I really feel Jesus. if the spirit is inside of us, and, and if his spirit is inside of us, and each and every day we know it's a struggle to walk right, and you've been walking right, and you've been holding on, all what you've been going through, you cannot tell me you can't you sit down and hold back that praise. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Amen. That's due to him. You got to give him that glory. You got to give him that praise. Amen. Come Amen. on. How could you sit down on that? Amen. Amen. You know, so just last night I saw my sister in, 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 in Piggly Wiggly. Not to hold you up. I see my sister in Piggly Wiggly. No, no, Wiggly. go on. I'm cool. And I tell you, I had to, I know I was pressed for time to go someplace, but I had to leave because I just felt like, man, we could have had church up in there uh -huh. without even saying nothing. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? That bonding, that spirit, that excitement. <laughs> and I walked off and I was just shaking my head. I thought, she probably didn't even know, but I was just shaking my head like, man, I, I felt it in me. Like, if we continue talking, we would have had church up in there. <laughs> but, but that's the excitement when you know every day you're trying to do right, you're trying to walk right. And then to know that the angel's looking at you. Oh, glory. And to know that you got the greater one in you. He gave you that spirit of an advantage <laughs> to overcome situations. Go ahead on, Wayne. Our mindset should change. Amen. Glory to his name. Hallelujah. Amen. Our mindset should change. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, That's all right. That's all right. That's so, all right. So, Pastor, I want to say this. You know, when you say, you know, could you praise God when you're going through things? You're praising him. Why things is fine, you have no problems, this and that. But when you're going through, can you still praise him? Yes. So, and say, I said that to say, you know, I know, you know, the stronger, I mean, trials only come to, you're right, trials only come to make us strong. You know, I know I, I strive to do right. And I know I haven't done wrong, but I'm still pressing on because I know the indomitable. Amen. What, what, what is it you preach on, Pastor? The, indom the in indomitable spirit. spirit lives in me. Amen. You know, I'm keep pressing because I know greater is, is in me than he is in the world. Amen. The enemy is, is pressing, but I'm going to still press towards the mark. Amen. 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 Look at this. Verse, verse 18, man. He says that He says, for you know. Somebody say, you know. He said, you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. See, I, I think a lot of us have forgot what God paid for us. And because we've forgotten what God paid for us, we don't know how valuable we are. So we have diminished ourselves based upon our evaluation of who we are. Instead of realizing that, hey, the value of a thing is determined by what people are willing to pay for it. Your car ain't worth $50,000. It's only worth that because somebody willing to pay for it. If people stop paying $50,000 for a major, it'll be on sale. It'll be on sale. It'll go back down to what they, what they paid for to make it. And I guarantee you, they made it for a whole lot less than $50,000. And so what I'm trying to tell you, we value things, you know, and, that, and that's why the, the stuff that we buy, the designer clothes that we buy, man, Man, just have a little patience. You can get them cheaper. They're going on sale. And it may not be the exact one you want, but it'll have the right name on it. 
I mean, but, 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 but what I'm trying to say is that, look, we got to realize what was paid for us. And when we realize what was paid for us and who paid the price for us, and we're realizing that now the ransom that was paid for us, he did not pay with mere gold and... Man, if gold was all that major, he would... Well, man, if gold was all that, man, if I was God and gold was all that and silver was all that, man, ain't no way I would have sent my son down for us. Ain't no way. Man, just go ahead and get a couple pounds of gold for Major. Go on, you know. Buy him back with some gold. Buy him back with some silver. You know, that's gold back. But man, God said, look, you far more precious than gold and silver because of what was paid for you. The ransom that was paid. In the Old Testament, people, you know, ended up in slavery or whatever, then uh, uh, their relatives could come and buy them back, pay the ransom to get them back. No different when you're holding somebody hostage. People want ransom money. If you give me the ransom money, I ain't going to kill them. So somebody had to So what it was saying, God paid a ransom for us. And he paid that ransom with Jesus. And because he paid with Jesus, that make you more valuable than silver and gold. He said in verse 19, it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. And look here. God paid for us with Jesus, and we don't realize how precious Jesus' blood was to cleanse us and wash away all of our sins, man, to make us right with God. And so therefore, when I realized the value that God placed on me, when I was major, when I was still a sinner, he paid a, He overpaid. I wasn't worth. I wasn't worth what he paid for, man. He he overpaid, man. I was a sinner, wretched, undone, and God, man, God, he. So now look here, I gotta live way, like I've been overpaid for. I can't let you think that I'm only worth a hundred dollars when God overpaid. I got to see, I may have been only worth in your eyes $100, but God laid down a million for me. And so therefore, because he laid down a million for me, look here, I got to walk around like, like, hey, look here, I know what I was paid for. You may think I ain't worth a million dollars, but look here, God. <laughs> God think I'm worth every penny of it. Look here, because he gave Jesus for us. And so when we understand that God allowed Jesus to be the ransom. Verse 20 says, God chose him. Now look, Major, this is where, it get kinda, where our mind got to wrap around it. Verse 20 says, God chose him as your ransom. He made that thing personal. Talking right to him. He talking to these dispersed people. Now, made he said, look here, he made him as your ransom. Not mine, as he talking to him, but your ransom. And Major, he did this long before the world began. But now he has revealed him to you in these last days. In other words, God sending Jesus was not an afterthought. God planned that thing out, and he had a plan long before we even got here. God knew that I was going to be some value, of value to him, and he saw me as being valuable long before I knew how valuable I was. And now I dare you to go around and diminish yourself and, and marginalize who you are in the Lord. Like Wayne said, you got to know who's on the inside of you. You can't let people diminish you and marginalize you all because you don't know who you are. You need to tell them, hey, you just don't know what was paid for me. And what was paid for me determined how much I am 
worth and my value. And I see that based upon how God see me, not how man see me. He says this, verse 21. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God. Because of your relationship, the question is, do we really trust God? He said, you've come to trust. So he's telling the people, y'all don't come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Have y'all noticed how often that, 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 that truth about the resurrection always pop up in these messages and these long No matter which book you go into, man, that thing about the resurrection always pop up. All, the Holy Spirit just always allowed that resurrection piece to be popped up because obviously he knew that that's going to be the hardest thing to sell to unbelievers, the resurrection. So we got to always have that mindset that, hey, look, God raised Jesus from the dead. That's the, that's, the, that's the heart of the gospel right there. And if that didn't happen, man, you know, everything else don't mean nothing. I mean, that's what we base everything that we believe on. And all these writers keep going that, through that with us over and over and over. And guess what? That is the hardest thing we have to convince this younger generation of because they can't wrap their mind around the resurrection. They can't wrap their mind. But we have to keep that message before them until the Holy Spirit opened their heart and their mind up to receive it, just like he had to open our hearts and minds up to receive it. We can't run away from the resurrection message. Even, even We don't have to wait to Easter to talk about Jesus' resurrection. You know, he deserved more than just once a year on Easter that we talk about resurrection. Man, these guys, it wasn't Easter right here. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't Easter. Put this in a letter and send it to them. Hey, look here. This resurrection is important. He says, God raised Christ from the dead and gave him glory. Now look here. He says, now look, you were cleansed. Now that means God done already did it, Gloria. From your sins when you obeyed the truth. Wow, look like obedience to God lead to continual cleansing. So man, when you obey the truth of God's word, you, you by default, you're going to start getting cleaned up. You may not even know it, but man, stuff going just, to just, just getting cleaned up. You know, why, man? I don't know why, I'm just getting cleaned up. Don't even know how I got cleaned I'm obeying God, man, so I'm just getting clean, cleaned up, major. Don't know, oh, man, y'all got to get this thing. It get good, man. Man, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. Now, look here. Now, man, then he killed a buzz right there. I was walking in the cleansing and obeying the truth. Then he tell me I got a love major. <laughs> tell me I got love major. Tell me I got love Wayne. He, I, now I, I was just shout, I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm clean. Then he said, now you got to. And then major, he didn't give me, he said, I can't just go through the motion and love you in a superficial way. He said, I got to love you with genuine love. Man, he, you know, he all my heart. He said, look here, I got to, man, boy, boy, I, I, I need to hold on to something. We need some of that in striving. I mean, we, we've been cleansed, but man, we got to get this love thing down. We have not got, man, we got to get this love thing down. In spite of, and you know, it's difficult sometimes, but God is saying, look, man, we got to love our brothers and sisters in spite of. Look, let me read that again. He says, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. 
So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters and love each other deeply with all your heart. No surface level stuff. Hey, man, what's up, man? God. Keep on going. Don't care nothing about major. Don't care what you're going through. Hey, that's what we do on Sunday. Hey, man, brother, good to see you. Let's have that. You know, hey, hey, you don't love me, man. You just going through the motions. That, that's super big. If you look, you ain't, you ain't even look in my eyes to see I made something be going wrong with me. You know what I mean? I mean, we just, we just fake it, man. We just superficial. And he's saying, look here, man. That ain't gonna cut it. We, we got it, man. Can you imagine if all the church, just in America? bought into that scripture right there? Just, if, if they just bought in that, can you imagine how many of these folks wouldn't be out in the street doing crazy stuff if they just bought into that right there? Can you imagine what people would do if they really understood and loved their brothers? Because guess what? When, when you go out there and throw a rock through somebody's window, that may be your brother's story. Well, then, Pastor, what if you don't, you're not doing anything? You're doing what you're supposed to do. You're loving. You, you, you're doing what you're supposed to do. You're being obedient to the word of God. But then th- there you have this other person that's ugly, mean. That person makes it hard for you. I mean, what you do? I mean, that person is, is just mean and ugly. I'm dealing with something now. In spite of. I mean, they just mean and just ugly and evil, Pastor. Pastor, he Pastor. said, "If that's your brother and your sister, <laughs> you gotta love them. Cause we got some, we got some mean family members. We got some mean cousins, some mean stuff. But you gotta say, look at it, but they still your family. He said, you gotta love them. I mean, you gotta love them. You know, he ain't put no, he ain't put no qualifiers there. Said, well, you know, if they act right, if they do this, they call you and send you a Christmas card. No, Pastor." A love like that can cause a great revival. Amen. A revival that America need to stop this, undivi- this divided stuff. Because Amen. like they said, a house divided cannot stand. Amen. So if the country is divided, we, we can't win in Amen. nothing that we do. Amen. Amen. So he says, now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other others deeply with all. Pray for me. <laughs> you you got to just say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Yeah. You just got to let him bring you through that piece right there. The Holy have Spirit, your have your way. You'll sit here to help me love folk I don't even love. You know, you, that's what your job is in my life, to come alongside me to help me love some people that I'm having a hard time loving. And they brothers and sisters, they ain't even a heathen out in the world. This is a brother of He says, now look, verse 23. This is another man. This is a good one right here. Because glory, now he's going to question whether or not he says now. For you have been born again. Wow. You can do this because you've been born again. So, for you have been born again but not for a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. 
He said, look, man, if you let this word of God and the spirit of God get in your heart, you can change. You can love folks. You've been born again. You ain't the same glory. Don't, don't let the enemy slip you back into the old glory, you know, and, and go off on folk. You ain't that same person no more. You've been born again. You're a new creation in Christ. So therefore, we got to start living and acting like we are a new creation. Yes, yeah, sometimes it's difficult. It's not always easy. But if you get used to practicing it, what we practice, the most will become part of our lifestyle. So we got to practice love. We got to just, just go do something nice for somebody you don't like. Just do something nice for them. You know, just do something nice. Send them a nice little gift. Just do something nice. The Lord placed it on my heart. I'm going to just send this to you. Just, just do it. Just say, I, I know it's fighting. My flesh is fighting this thing. Don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it. I know you like this. This is something I know you like. I'm going to just send you this because the Spirit of God spoke to my heart. Then they may say, well, it's a gift. I don't even want it. Okay, that's okay. They on me. They may gift it to somebody else. This came from glory. I don't want nothing. Glory done gave me. I don't care. I'm free. I'm simply, no, no. Girl, I gave you a gift away. Oh, now you mad all over again. <laughs> no. Yes. If I go out of my way, take my time, do this for my heart, I buy this for this person, and they don't want it, that's rejection. I, I mean, that's, that's hard for me to accept, Pastor. I'm not that, saying that, I won't, but that's that, kind of hard for me. That's your flesh talking. That ain't yeah. your spirit. Yeah. That's your flesh talking. Wayne? Yeah, Pastor. Um, you write, you write on that. Um, you know, a lot of times you do stuff from people, and sometimes they still talk behind your back and do you wrong. But I always try to go out of my way and, and just do good for them, regardless. And me and my wife always have this argument back in the day. She was like, well, why you always go out your way? And why you always do this? You're a fool. You look like this and this. Is. And I came to the realization, and I told her, I said, look, man, this is how God made me. I can't help it because I have a good heart. Amen. I can't help it because I like to show love towards people. But some of them folks don't even like you. I don't care. Amen. I love them. And if they call me right now and I could help them in any type of way, I would. And I say, I feel good when I operate like that. But when I'm not operating like that, I'm miserable. I'm miserable because it's like I'm fighting against how God created me. Uh-huh. You see what I'm saying? So I'll show love. I don't care if you don't show me love. Amen. I'm still going to show you love. That's unconditional. I don't care if you never pay me back. I'm still going to loan you. I'm still going to give you. Amen. I ask God to give me the, the spirit of discernment to, to, to make the right choices. But even if I give you something and you never return it, I don't care. Because I'm operating in that love. Amen. Amen. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, uh, Wayne, Wayne is so right. Because, you know, you do something for somebody, and then you have an expectation of how you think they should feel about what you did for them. And then when they don't feel that way, you bound up again. You, you bound up instead of saying, look, I did it. I, hey, I'm free. I'm good. I, I feel good about it. I'm good. I ain't worried about it. Like you said, Pastor, they can gift it away if they want to. But I'm free. I'm free Amen. from it. I'm free. Amen. Amen. Pastor. Yes, Sister Nikki. Amen. You don't miss it. Amen. Let it go. Amen. Amen. I make it my choice. For instance, even for my birthday or Christmas, you know what I do? I give without expectation yes, of sir. getting. Because if I don't get, I'm not upset because I wasn't yes, expecting. But if I get something, I receive it even much more because I didn't expect it. Amen. 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 
Amen. That was powerful. So now, and then, so what he does, Peter closed chapter 1 uh, with a quote partially from Isaiah chapter 40, verse uh, 6 through 8. He says this, as the scripture says, people are like grass, and their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. So he says, all these things we're talking about, they ain't going to last. They material things, they, our possessions, our feelings, and all that, man, that ain't. This word going to outlast how you feel about folk, what you think about folk, what you put on this, how much value you put on your possession. He said, look, you got to learn you're putting your emphasis on the wrong thing. You're putting your emphasis on things that ain't going to be here forever. We got to start focusing on things that's eternal, that's things right. that's going to be here forever. That's and right. we start with the word of God. Amen. It's going to be there. Amen. Glory. Glory. Amen. Glory. Amen. Glory. Glory to your name, God. Glory, Glory to your name. Yes. And, and this good news that we preach, the world needs to hear. They need to hear more of us talking about the things that we learn in Bible study, the principles that we have been taught, and then, you know, challenging ourselves to live a good life before people. We ain't got to know all the scriptures in the Bible. Man, people know good life when they see it. That's right. They know it. They, there's some inside of people that know what a good, kind person looks like. And when we're doing those type things, you ain't even got to say, hey, this come from Isaiah. You just live it. And I'm, we're going to talk about this on Sunday. Major, the, we got something on the inside of us that most, we supposed to be a walking letter. Even if I ain't got my Bible with me, somebody ought to be able to look at my life and look at your life and say, let me read Major. Here come Major. Let me just start reading right now. First Major. First Major one and one. What is Major talking about today? He's a, he's a walking letter right now. I don't know nothing about the Bible, but I know Major. And if I look at Major long enough, I'll start learning some things that's in the... I'm telling you, that's, that's awesome, man, that what we know when we understand who we are and what we have in the Lord and what God expects of us as his children. Amen? Amen. Well, I want to thank you tonight for your comments. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. 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 Thank those of you who are online with us tonight. I hope that you were blessed by the lesson. And, you know, if you got any comments or feedback, please try to share it with us. Send us an iMessage to let us know, you know, what's going on.